You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Tuesday. As promised, we have a gigantic guest coming in here for this episode of Locked On Wolverines, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. But we also have a legend, not just a Michigan legend, a college football legend, someone who did it in the NFL, MVP honors and such. That's Desmond Howard from ESPN College Game Day. Desmond, thank you so much for joining. Hey, uh, Isaiah, thank you for having me, and thank you for that wonderful introduction. I appreciate that, brother. Thank you. Well, I I would do more. I but you know I would sit there and say you you know I was running around the house at ten years old striking the pose. <laughs> uh, I could I could add a lot more to it, but <laughs> yes, sir. We won't get too far into it. But anyway, Desmond, thanks for joining. But let's uh l- let's get into the first part of this all, where I I want to discuss. You did this. Uh, you're doing this promo with uh, Modelo, where. Yeah. A fan gets uh, uh, gets tickets to the national championship. They get a hundred thousand dollars salary. Tell me more about that and how you got involved in it. Yeah, well, I tell you what, Isaiah. You know, one thing that I recognize as a college football analyst, not only the the greatness of the players and the the coaches, but also the fighting spirit of the fans. Like we recognize and appreciate these fan bases and the fighting spirit that they bring to the stadiums every time their teams play. And, um, you know, Isaiah's a college football fan. You know the difference that fans can make. So Modelo, they recognize that too. And so we have a full-time fan contest. So looking for the best, most passionate college football fan. And uh, we found the person. And uh, we're reveal the person's name, you know, soon, but it's great. Cause I had a chance to, to handpick this person. I was, uh, you know, hands on the process and I get a chance to actually hang out with this person to the full time fan contest winner down at the national championship game, Isaiah. So I'm looking forward to that. And they also get like a six figure salary pretty much man to watch college football. So, I mean, it's a win-win all around, right? They get, you get, you get Modelo, the best beer, which is the official sponsor of the college football playoff. You get a six figure uh, salary to watch college football. And then you get a chance to, to hang out with me. And now we'll talk some shop and talk about college football. And I love talking to passionate college football fans. So man, it's a win-win for everybody involved. Well, it's really cool, and I'd like to be the first to congratulate Jim Harbaugh for winning the award. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> that's, it's such, that's such a cool cool <laughs> way to reward fandom, and and I can't wait to find out more and find out who won it and, and everything. And hopefully, fingers crossed for both of us, we were in the national championship watching Michigan, but before that could even happen michigan has to take on tcu yeah just i want to get your overall overview of this matchup and and kind of what you see as being uh the ways that either team can can win or just generally what you think of michigan going into this matchup 
Really, really great matchup. Um, I've been watching TCU this whole season, and when people were doubting them because, you know, they they played in some close games, too, where people were like, ah, oh, it's just luck. You know, it's going to catch up with them where they were down in the second half but able to come back. And I just remember looking at Max Duggan and just, you know, hit the fighting spirit that he brings to the offense and he brings to the team. And his story is one story that – one of those stories that – the team can like rally around. Like this is a guy, not only did he have like a laundry list of injuries, but at the beginning of the season, Isaiah, he wasn't even the starter. So as opposed to like how some guys do, they just hop in the portal or whatever, he took the, the opposite route. He said, I'm going to be um, a great teammate. I'm going to do what I can do to help the team win. And then he got the nod. The starter got injured. He became the starter. And then the next thing you know, Isaiah, this kid is um up in New York as the runner up for the Heisman. So um, really talented, um, got that they're really resilient team, well coached. Sonny Dykes does a really good job, him and his staff. But, you know, going up against this Michigan team is really balanced. And they go up against an offense, this Michigan offense, that brings so many different um, factors to the, to the table. I mean, they can beat you in so many different ways. And I just think that Sharon Moore, the offensive coordinator, doesn't get enough credit, doesn't get talked about enough. Um, not, not only is he the OC, but he's the offensive, uh, he's the offensive line coach. And you're talking about this group has won the Joe Moore award back to back years, which has never, ever been done in college football. So, um, you know, credit to, to, to Sharon Moore and that staff and what they've been able to do and go up against this TCU defense that they've been, um, they've been known to, to start slow because the offense has had to come from behind a lot in the second half of games because the defense has given up a lot of points and yards in the first half. So really curious to see how that game plays out. The chess match between Garrett Riley, the offensive coordinator for TCU, and Jesse Minter, the uh, defensive coordinator for Michigan, who was actually one of the top five um, finalists for the Bros Award. So that, that chess game, because, you know, we've seen what Michigan's defense has been able to do in the second half of of games and they've been able to pretty much just shut teams down. So really curious to see, you know, all this, the chess match, the games within the game that's going to go on in uh, the Michigan versus TCU game. You know, that's one of the things that we, I always say to my fellow photographers on the sidelines is whatever the team uh, that Michigan's going up against it, they, they better figure out ways to score in that first half. Cause in the second half, chances are they're not going to get a heck of a lot. Now, uh, before we get back into TCU, just because this is just what's on my mind right now, how surprised were you to see Jesse Minter have the type of success he had in the game? Because certainly, while I I felt pretty good going into halftime, I thought that Michigan certainly had a really good opportunity. I did not foresee a situation where they outscored Ohio State, what was it, 28-3 to three in the second half? Yeah. Uh, that how, how surprised were you that they were able to do that in the game? What was your reaction in the moment? I tell you what, I remember going on the college game day bus at halftime and talking to David Pollock. And I said, Pollock, if, you know, the Michigan fans right now, they should really feel good because they really just watched their team, I think, take a really, a really big shot, if not Ohio State's best shot in that first half. And Michigan was only down, I think, maybe a field goal. And the flip side is you didn't see the best of Michigan yet. Like, the best is yet to come from Michigan because we understand that they're one of the best, if not the best in the country, 
making second half adjustments. So I thought that we would see a better performance from the Wolverines in the second half. I can't say that I thought it would be as dominant as what we did see. Um, but, you know, on our show game day, like we talked a lot about Jim knows like him coming from Oklahoma state going to Columbus, he's going to change his defense. And even that day, it was said that Jim knows was brought to Columbus for this day, for this game, for Michigan's offense. That's why he was brought there. And that's what was said during, um, during game day. And so people were excited to see how he's going to shut down this Michigan offense. This Jim knows, you know, guy, the defensive coordinator position. He really reminded me, though, of um, when Michigan had the the defensive coordinator before McDonald when they fired him. The guy yeah, Don was there. Brown. Don Brown. He reminded me of Don Brown because he stayed in his coverages to me that he didn't have the personnel to run. And Don Brown, when he was at Michigan, I remember saying this on TV, like Don Brown is running a defense especially on the back end, that he does not have the personnel to run. But sometimes you get stubborn, you get in your ways, and you don't change. And I thought that that's what we witnessed with Jim Knowles um, down at Columbus. Maybe they hadn't played against a team that really can expose them the way Michigan could. I thought the previous week, though, with Mike Loxley and Maryland, I thought that they exposed them somewhat because that was a, a game that was back and forth. Like they didn't pull away from Maryland until maybe 60 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Like that was like, it stayed within, um, within reach of Maryland, either tying the game or, you know, uh, or taking the lead. So I thought that, man, this guy is not coming out of, you know, these coverages. Like he's not making these adjustments. And it kind of reminded me really of when Don Brown was in Ann Arbor and what he used to do too. And so now it's going to be interesting to see Ohio State and this defense with Jim Knowles. Everyone thought was going to like change the, the face of Ohio State's defense. They're much better defense than a year ago. Now he's about to go up against the number one team in the country, the Georgia Bulldogs, who their offensive line, I believe, came in second place for the Joe Moore Award um, just behind Michigan. So the last game they faced, they went against the best offensive line in the country. And now the second game that they're, they're going to face, they're going up against the second best offensive line in the country. So it's going to be an interesting matchup to see um, Ohio State's defense against this uh, Georgia offense. Not to mention Georgia is plenty capable of throwing the football. Of course, they want to run the ball as well. But uh, it was kind of illuminating to me when I was doing prep for TCU just to see where Georgia and its pass game ranks uh, in the college football uh, landscape. We'll be back with more from Desmond Howard in just a moment. But before we do that, listen, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. You know what? It's so easy to create a job posting on LinkedIn Jobs. Anyone can do it. You just go to the site, add your job, and then after you do that, add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. You want to finish your year strong just like Michigan wants to finish their year strong. And you have to find 
the right candidate in order to do that. Think Donovan Edwards. Think Colston Loveland. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash college. That's LinkedIn.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, we are going to go ahead and continue our interview with Desmond Howard already in progress. Speaking of the past game, uh, all the talk going into the last couple games was how Michigan could not seem to get at much more than an intermediate passing game going with J.J. McCarthy. And in the last two games, he's completely changed that narrative. Yes. How have you seen him grow uh, from when he arrived in Ann Arbor last year to this point where he just beat Ohio State as the starter, won the Big Ten championship, made a lot of really big, deep passes in both games, and pinpoint precise passes, no less, uh, with some of those intermediate routes in the Big Ten championship game. How have you seen him grow? Um, I tell you what, I, you know, I thought that going into the Ohio State game that he would hit the deep ball. I said on college game day when we were there that that would be the difference. Um, I thought it would be, I thought it would be Andrew Anthony. I didn't know it would be a Cornelius Johnson, but I did say that he was going to have, like, he's going to hit the deep ball. I remember telling my son, little twin, he's a big, big, big J.J. McCarthy fan, right? Like, I can't say anything negative about J.J. <laughs> McCarthy. If, if, if he misses a receiver, it's the receiver's fault every time, according to my son. But I was telling my son, I said, listen, son, trust me, on the deep ball, all he has to do is let the ball breathe. I say, when they're in Columbus, when they're inside the shoe, if he throw, when he throws the deep ball, he needs to let the ball get up in the air and enjoy some of Columbus. Just look around and then fall down into the hands of the receivers. I said, he was throwing the ball, the deep ball, with – it was too flat. It was, but if he puts an arc on it, then they can run up under it. And I say, watch, their timing is going to come, and it's going to probably come against Ohio State. And exact, that's exactly what happened. It unfolded that way. As long as he put some air up under the ball, Cornelius was ready to run up under it, as opposed to guys like reaching out for it like that because it was, it was too flat. So um, he made those adjustments. And all the other passes, I mean, we knew he can throw the short route, the intermediate routes. He's going to hit the tight end. He's going to hit the running backs. Um, but the, now when he introduced that deep ball where he finally started to hit it, then that just opens up the offense even more because defenses, they have to respect the deep ball because you don't want to get – you don't want to let offenses get – behind you, especially wide receivers or tight ends. Last one for you, Desmond, because I know you're, you've got a uh, very limited time here and I'm very thankful that you were able to join us this afternoon. No problem. My pleasure. Uh, what are you looking for when it comes to Michigan in the Fiesta Bowl? Uh, what are the keys for the Wolverines to be able to win that game and advance to that national championship game so that they can go and be there with you in Los Angeles uh, on January 9th? 
Wow. I tell you what, I think that uh, Max Duggan, he he's going to be a guy to keep an eye on because, you know, I look at Michigan's schedule. I'm not sure that they've played a quarterback that that brings the, um, the fighting spirit and the resiliency of a Max Duggan. When you look at his story, then it, it'll make sense because he wasn't even a starter when the season began. But like I say he, you know, got the nod. And the next thing you know, he's in Heisman. As a, I mean, he's in New York as a runner for the Heisman. Just the whole team, I believe, feeds off of his spirit, off of his energy, and he's a dual threat, legit dual threat quarterback. So to see how Jesse Minter, the um, defensive coordinator, how he tries to um, defend Max Duggan, whether it's with a spy or whether it's with a mosh rush, you know, there's different ways to try to defend a dual threat quarterback and keep him in the pocket and then make him try to beat you at accurate throws. Just really curious to see how they're going to, um, you know, approach that. And then Quentin Johnston, the uh, wide receiver, you know, tall, lanky receiver with great capabilities, how they're going to defend him too. So that, 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 that matchup is something to keep an eye on. All right. Well, hopefully uh, we'll, we'll get, do hopefully you get to see Michigan two more times basically oh, this year because yeah, yeah, you'll yeah. you'll be down there at the Fiesta Bowl I believe, and uh, and I I will be there as well. I'm I'm already sitting there thinking like, all right, how does this logistically work? Do I do I come back home to to Michigan and then go to Los Angeles if Michigan wins? Do I just stay out there trying to figure <laughs> all of that out? Now maybe it's a bit presumptuous on my part, but hopefully we see out there twice, Desmond. Yes, sir. No, well, yeah, well, they they're gonna have us actually because the Ohio State Georgia game is the prime time game. They're gonna have us at the Peach Bowl, so I would not be able to make it out to the Fiesta Bowl. But I'll see you out in uh in, in L.A. You know, for the championship game, especially if our if the Wolverines are able to prevail over the TCU Horn Frogs and make it to the championship game. All right, sounds good. Yes, sir. How cool was that, Desmond Howard, number twenty one. For the Michigan football team. Seriously, that's the first. The, my earliest memories of Michigan football were, were of Jim Harbaugh being the quarterback, but I don't really remember any of it. My first like tangible moment of remembering was Desmond striking the pose, and I very much remember exactly where I was when that happened. I was sitting in my grandma's room, sitting on the edge of her bed, watching it on TV, and after that, I was running around the house, as I said earlier, striking the pose. That's... That's how that went down. Anyway, all right, we are going to continue on. Uh, I I do want to apologize for missing uh, yesterday. I had like a 24-hour. It's so sad. I was like super sick. Then I got better. Then I threw my back out. And then I got a massage, kind of fixed that. And then I get hit by a 24-hour bug. But I'm better now. I'm back. Uh, So that's that's good. We're going to do a Saturday episode in lieu of Monday. Uh, but, uh, let's continue on. Uh, I'm going to give you some, some brief thoughts on kind of the landscape, uh, with, uh, the transfers and all of that. Uh, we'll try to dig into it more later in the week. Uh, but before we do that, did you know that driving high is continue, uh, considered in, wow. Okay. Let's try this again. Did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state even in states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high can get you a DUI. And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high, you're wrong. Your friends can tell, your co-workers can tell, even your parents can tell, everyone can tell. So what makes you think that law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. 
So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. Because the bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different. And driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI. It's paid for by the NHTSA. All right, we got a couple more minutes here. Um, Michigan really went on a tear. I mean, a lot of news happened over the weekend. Uh, I tried to uh, to go with Sarah to have a self-care day and uh, do, like, you know, pedicures and massages and had to, like, stop and do different things in the middle of it and between... Uh, <laughs> between them, I'm, I'm walking around the mall, it's like, all right, we got to sit down. I got to write this. And same thing the next day. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go see Avatar 2 again because we saw it in IMAX or EMAX at Imagine Theaters. Shout out to Anthony Laverde and all of them over there. Uh, went to go see uh, Avatar 2 for the second time because I wanted to see it in 3D and I had to escape to the back of the theater. These are quality first world problems that I had. And that's all due to the fact that Michigan just kept on breaking news, different uh, commitments mostly in the transfer portal. Now, they did get uh, the uh, the cornerback, uh, whose name escapes me off the top of my head, uh, DJ Waller uh, from Youngstown, Ohio. Uh, he did commit to Michigan. Uh, they also got Hayden Moore, the flip from uh, Nebraska. But those are the 2023 guys. They just went nuts. They went ham in the transfer portal. Just absolutely insane. Ernest Hausman was ranked the number one guy in the country, uh, according to 24-7 Sports uh, Transfer Portal rankings. He's now number two since Travis Hunter, the former number one guy in the country, went in the transfer portal, likely to flip over to Colorado from Jackson State. But they have the number two, the number 12, like the number 34, the number 43, the number 65. I mean, it's just insane the, that they just keep on reeling in guys. Like, we, we sat there and talked about Ladarius Henderson and how he can be a, a, a factor. I didn't think we'd be talking about Miles Hinton. I didn't think we'd be talking about Drake Nugent. And then they go and get, uh, they already had Hausman, and then they go out and get uh, Josiah Stewart as well. And, and we're still waiting to see what A.J. Barner does, the tight end from Indiana. I didn't even re- recognize that he's he was so high up at Indiana that he was at Big Ten Media Days last year. I'm pretty sure I asked him questions about Michigan, and I don't think he was all too pleased. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have uh, any of that footage anymore. But still, I mean, it's they are absolutely killing it in the portal, and we've long heard that Michigan wasn't going to be able to do that. I think there is an element of buy-in because not all of these guys are grad transfers, right? And it's not like that doesn't happen, right? Shea Patterson wasn't a grad transfer. Some guys are just going to be more willing to go someplace where they know they can succeed. And that is what Michigan's starting to become. Like we talked about the climb. We talked about uh, the potential for starting a dynasty. This is, this is evidence of that happening. Now, the 2023 recruiting class is certainly not uh, what you would hope for a defending Big Ten champion and a college football playoff team. But this is showing you kind of in real time the barometer of where Michigan is. And certain teams like Ohio State are going to continue to get five stars. Yes, they had Dylan Rayola, Dominic Rayola's uh, son, uh, decommit. But, you know, they, they still got Jeremiah Smith, the five-star wide receiver. They're going to get guys, right? But 
This is how you start to turn that corner. It's like we talked about last week. If you want to become Clemson, what you need to do is, A, win the championship. Go to the championship game, win the championship, and then that's when you start to tick up in recruiting. Clemson wasn't getting Trevor Lawrence's before all this. They got good players, yes. They got Deshaun Watson. They got different guys that were really, really good, but mostly guys that outpaced their recruiting. It wasn't until they started becoming a team that you knew was going to get to the college football playoff that suddenly they were getting those high, high, high level recruits. I mean, even after like the first two uh, uh, appearances in the college football playoff, I believe they were still kind of trending below Michigan in recruiting, but that's when things really started to change for Clemson. And if you're Michigan, take advantage of all assets and avenues available because the transfer portal wasn't really a thing uh, the way it is now five years ago. Now you have an opportunity and Michigan's doing the most it can with it. All right, we're going to talk way more about that, uh, I would imagine, on Wednesday's show uh, because I want to dig a bit deeper than just kind of a cursory glance. But thank you again to Desmond Howard for joining uh, really, really cool. Really excited that we got that opportunity. And uh, we will be back soon to discuss uh, what Michigan's doing, recruiting, transfer portal. It's certainly we're going to have a, we have early signing day on Wednesday. So lots to talk about. Thanks for watching and or listening. We'll talk to you again soon. Peace. Peace.